It's 12 and Up, Season 11, Episode 6, with your host, Jonathan Malone, and guest host, Adam Erickson and Phineas Marr. 12 and Up is a podcast of Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your host, Jonathan Malone, is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Adam Erickson is the pastor of the United Church of Christ of Clackamas, Oregon. And Phineas Marr is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Kenosha, Wisconsin. This podcast is brought to you by Summer Ascension. We're not really sure what it is, what it does, if it's a drink or something you hold or something that inspires you or an idea or, or what, but it's really good. Summer Ascension. And we're back. That sponsor really speaks to this episode. Uh, boy, it feels like years ago, but it wasn't that long ago. But a couple months ago, I recorded uh, one of the scriptures with Adam Erickson, and we talked about the passages for the Ascension, um, keeping my theme of always talking to Adam Erickson when it's, I'm going to talk about the Ascension. And I never posted that, and I feel badly, because Adam spent a lot of time researching that passage and uh, really thinking about it and praying about it, and I owe it to him to post it, so I, I am posting it now. And I've also uh, have a new rileage that I did with Phineas Marr for the 4th of July. We recorded it on the 4th of July. So I want to give you this episode um, of me talking to Adam and talking to Phineas, but in reverse order, first Phineas and then Adam, with a rileage and then a scripture. Again, know what you're into. I'm working on that. I'm trying to figure out some kind of groove, some kind of routine, but, um, you know, I just don't get paid enough to make this a higher priority than I already do. I will be recording an episode with uh, Tony Bartlett soon, and I'm looking forward to that. But I don't want to say any more about that. Just know that there are more episodes coming. Uh, But it is summertime now, which means uh, posting is not as regular as it used to be. And I know that you all will be okay with that. So all that being said, I hope you enjoy this Rylage and this scripture with Phineas Marr and Adam Erickson. Rylage. I'm talking about Rylage. So Phineas Marr continues to be the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Kenosha, Wisconsin, continues to teach at Carthage College. I'm not teaching right now. Though right now it's summertime. We're recording on the 4th of July. Woohoo! Yes. Boom! <laughs> right, right. Uh, and uh, I... I, I can't help but notice the collection of fireworks you have behind you. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to know what you're planning to do after, after no, the recording just, of this. No, but, that's just, you know, I live by myself. That's just junk, man. <laughs> Finn, I'm trying to create the illusion of. I am of gonna an, throw lit matches later. You're gonna throw lit matches? Yeah. Yeah. Are, is it a magic trick? You just like light a match and then throw it somewhere? No, magical or? fireworks. Oh, oh, okay, good, good. Yeah. See, 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 when you get divorced and you live by yourself, amusements become simple again. It's wonderful. You that's, save a whole lot of money. That's fantastic. Yes. Yeah. You know, if that's what it takes, then then go for it. Do it. So we haven't done a rileage in a bit. I've been a little lax with posting episodes. I'm sure I already talked about that on the intro that I recorded before doing this. Uh, so let's and, – and, and I know you got a lot. You're, you're just ready to explode with rileage. So just, just go, just, Finn. Go. 
There's just there's just so much. <laughs> I know. There's just so much. Okay? What's I mean the, What's the first thing that comes to mind? The first thing that comes to mind is that I'm riled up about the fact that I don't even know what to get riled up about anymore. Okay? Oh yeah. It's 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 you know I've always been a peaceable guy, I think. When? <laughs> In all the years I've known you, peaceable is not a word I would use to describe. I would just say, come and talk to Finn. He's serene and calm. I, that, those are These are not words that I would use to describe you. <laughs> Sorry. You done? Are you done? Let me know when you're done, Palsy. <laughs> All right. Oh, go ahead, Zen Master. Now, by that, I did not mean I am serene and calm, because nobody would say that about me. No, never, ever. But not even I mean, close. I don't think I don't think I live my life to pick fights. That's what I meant. Oh, really? See that? I, well, I guess that I guess our relationship uh, is an well, anomaly. Well, I guess I guess I'm learning something new about myself today. <laughs> wow! Every time I talk to you, you you're contrarian. You, uh, you, you, you belittle me. You keep pushing me over. I, 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 when have I ever belittled you? All right. Well, there was the one time. No, no, no. Go ahead. You probably had it coming. Yeah. See, there it is. I should have brought a third person in to do some counseling with us, some couples counseling. Maybe that's what this. I I didn't realize we were at that point. I don't. I don't think we are yet. I'm not ready to admit it yet, Finn. I'm not ready to go there. But anyways. In general, you're not someone who goes looking to pick fights. Is that what you're? Well, that, no, apparently, I am. Never mind. I, you know, I'm not I, looking. I think that's the magic of our relationship. That's that's the magic of our relationship. I'm picking fights. This is a great time to be alive. So, <laughs> I think you were trying to make a point. I, I derailed you before you even got to your first point. And you wonder why I belittle you. I, I do. I really do. I don't even know anymore what 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 to say. It just seems like, you know, as much as you know, you and I have been through the ABC wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't ever remember a time in my life, and I lived through Vietnam. So you know, but I was just a kid, so you know, I probably don't remember when right. things have been in such a fever pitch right. as they are in the culture right now. I mean, I am literally, you know, it's not that I'm afraid to state my views, but man, I just don't feel like getting into it every conversation with somebody. And it's almost getting to be that way, you know? And, and it's like, you know, how did things get, you know, got to this point? Is it the fault of reactionary conservatives? Is it the fault of smarmy liberals? Do you think that we liberals have been smarmy? Well, first of all, I don't know if you identify yourself as that way, you know? Uh, Joe Cutter told me I lean left of center is how he put it. That that you, Phineas, lean left of yes. center. That, oh, that, yeah, I would say that for sure. I mean, so, you know, he was saying I'm not on the, what's called the extreme left. I mean, no. how do you even define these things? But, but um, you know, I look back and I say, in, in our enlightened minds, were we just smarmy? And did we just, were, did we just build up resentment in people's hearts and minds to us? To the point that it was just seething and boil over and waiting for an opportunity. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, I remember 
when when I went into seminary uh, and when I was graduating, I remember having a conversation with Alvin Lee, who was a, a beloved um, area back then. You know, we had area ministers. You know, the ABC had money. Right. Um, I think I think New Jersey still does. Um, yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. Um, Alvin Lee had a serious conversation with me about whether or not I was too conservative and charismatic for the ABC. Now, by charismatic, I don't mean my personality. I mean, at the time, I was involved in a form of Pentecostalism. Right. And and he was really, really worried about this. Hmm. And, I mean, he sat down and he explained to me how the ABC operated and how we all respect each other and could I live with this. I remember this conversation and I remember... I remember it because of the irony of, you know, fast forward 10, 15, 20 years later. Right. When when I find myself reacting basically to what I considered to be bullying at the time. You know, I did yeah. not get involved in, in, in the debates in the ABC because at the time I was um, liberal on, on the social issues. At the time, mm-hmm. I probably was not. But... Um, I just perceived that based on the fact that I, I, I was sat down and I was told that we're live and let live and we have to respect each other. And I knew full well what the ABC was like when I joined it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, what the heck happened to that? I thought that we don't do this to each other. So here's a theory I have that I've been kind of toying with. The... You know, our 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 go to response for any kind of disagreement or any kind of tension or conflict has been let's just agree to disagree, right? Yes, yes. And I don't think that's been helpful. You I, know, I agree with you. Yes, yeah, so I'm I not wonder if that's in any way for that. I'm not gonna be contrarian. Wow, you agree with me. There's a God. Well, folks, thanks for listening to the Twelve Minute Podcast. I it's think over. I, it's that's over. It. Yeah, I, I, I have nothing else to say because I was just <laughs> look for. So I, yeah, and I think that that approach within our churches, within our denomination, and I think nationally, has been, you know, to, it, it, that um, has been kind of brewing this unrest and discon, um, discontent. Yes. That the agree to disagree, you know, we could we could say. I don't have a good example right now. We could agree to disagree that the shirt I'm wearing is white or purple, right? And you may look at it and say, Malone, it's purple. And I look at it and say, well, it's it's kind of an off-white. And and you're like, well, and we can being, get angry. Being and, how contrarian I am, I lie about color. You're yeah, right. Yeah, see? That's how contrarian you are, <laughs> at least with us. And, and, and to say, well, let's just agree to disagree. But every time you see me wear this shirt, you're going to say, like, it's so purple, and how can he not see it? And I'll say, and I'll just every time I put it on, I'm like, I I know Finn doesn't see this as a as a white shirt, but boy, it's white, and it drives me nuts that he can't see that. And so there's this tension that's kind of brimming underneath, and and that kind of conflict resolution of saying, well, we just have to agree to disagree. I right. wonder. I don't have any other kind of data or anything to back this up, but that's okay. Who cares? Uh, I wonder if it's been fueling this anger and it's erupting. <laughs> no, let's take the big one. Let's take the big one. There was no compromise possible in the American Civil War. Mm. See, we, especially in the ABC, have worked on we have to find a solution everybody can live with. And back when we were fighting those battles in the ABC, I said to myself, there is no solution everybody can live with. Right. Okay? 
not to this. And and I realized that, you know, with the American Civil War, there was no other way out of that. There I had mean, to be. What, I mean, I mean, what would be the compromise? You guys can own slaves as long as you promise to treat them well. Right. Right. I mean, it's 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 you reach and and I think being divorced helped me understand this. You reach a point mm-hmm. where you you reach a point where and and I'll be honest, our conservative friends have been right about this. They've been saying this all along. You reach a point where you need to not agree to disagree. You need to agree to leave each other. Right. If you can. Now, you know, of course, the problem with the American Civil War is you're talking about national budgets and all those kinds of things. Right. Um, and 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 not being comfortable with still allowing the other person to take that position. But but um, I mean, I remember the conservatives saying this back then. It's like, look, you know, at a certain point, I remember a guy I got mad at saying point blank, the Holy Spirit divides. Look at Barnabas and Paul, which was a completely illegitimate example. However, I digress. Um, You know, you know, he was making the point that they as conservatives could not live any longer with the position we liberals took to my retort was fine. You get out because this is the covenant we all live under as I was well instructed. Yeah. And we see how that whole thing turned out. I think that we've settled for, um, I mean, you know, ABC life as it is now is just a loose consideration of uh, a loose uh, conglomeration, consideration. It's just a loose affiliation, maybe that's the best, of, of autonomous parties trying to figure out, you know, what do we do? And I'm almost thinking right. that the battles that we had back then, Jonathan – I think that we were prophetic in a way. I think that, um, you know, I think, you know, we had them 10 years ago. I'm starting to see the same environment now. Hmm. I'm starting to see anger, their frustration. Um, and, and doggone it. Doggone it. I will not apologize for having a brain. Oh, good. I am starting to feel like if you have a brain, people get mad at you because they automatically think, you think you're smarter than me. So tell me then, so what is, what, you know, g- give me an example of, of, of like a day-to-day, like what, what it is that gets you with all this, that gets you angry. Can you, can you make it concrete for me? Sure. When I watch the news. Okay. Which news do you I, watch? What's that? Which, which news do you watch? Uh, well, mostly I just turn on CNN. Ah, see, there's your problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because, I mean, you know, CNN goes out and finds people that basically I'm like, you know, these people are well paid just to have CNN knock them around. But, you know, they find these folks elucidating these points of view. Um, yeah, you know, day to day, it's just, you know, and well, my other day to day thing is I have to be very careful what I say from the pulpit. Mm. Right. And that's yeah. getting harder. Yeah. And, and it's like it's not that I'm afraid of having a confrontation, but as you learn in marriage, you can't argue about every single little thing without wearing each other out, you know? Right. And so, you know, it's getting, it's getting to the point where I just, you know, I just don't know how to handle myself in society anymore. And, uh, and that's a level of discomfort that I did not anticipate at this point in my life. So this is fascinating. So I'm going to be digging a little bit with this because uh, I, I think I, I hear what you're saying. Is your therapy? It's, well, with you, it's a little of both. 
<laughs> and, and, and we have a, a growing listenership that loves the Rileage with you because it's a little of both. So tell me about your parents. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, you want to hear about my parents? Oh, there we go. Yeah. You well, you. Yeah. <laughs> it, I, <clears throat> That's actually, though, very appropriate. Say, how come? Well, because family systems theory, which a dear friend of mine, you know, you probably know Margaret Marcuson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, subscribes to family systems therapy says you never emotionally cut off. You never sever a relationship with somebody. You always try to stay connected. Mm-hmm. And as and, and Margaret, if you're listening, I love you. Um, and as much as I love family systems theory in my personal life, I've said that that just is not always true. There reaches a point sometimes where you have to say, no, I am done with this. Well, so I think, though, the difference when I've read some I've read some of Richardson stuff. And, and I think the difference between cutoff and closure is really important. Because cut... Uh, yeah. Not only do I agree with you, I'm going to say, great point. Go ahead. Oh, Sorry. wow. Thank, just, boy, it's like, just agree with Jonathan. This is our last show, folks. This is, this is amazing. <laughs> it's not the last show, as far okay. as I know. Um, so, yeah, so cutoff is someone just, like, stopping the relationship abruptly. You know, someone just says, I'm done. You know, no more communication, nothing. And there's no closure. There's no sense of... Um, of what is going to happen, you know, what happens next, or do we still, are we done, are we not done, that kind of thing. That's unhealthy, because then there's all this unknown. Closure um, would be, you know, uh, you meet with the person one more time, and you say, our relationship needs to be over, and here are the reasons why, and I want to, you know, name those things, and say, here's what's going to, where's going to happen, what's going to happen, that kind of thing. Uh, and that gives agency with both parties. You know, both parties agree that this is over. If with cutoff, one party doesn't have any kind of agency, and that means the relationship's still continuing. So let's just say I have a sibling who, that for some reason, sends out an email to everyone in the family saying, please don't talk to me anymore. I'm done with this family. Right? That's cutoff. And right. it has no correspondence. And now that relationship is not done with me. Even if I say, well, I'm done with that person, there's still all this un resolved emotion like why are they doing this what's going on could i have done something else if the person reached out to each and every person if that sibling called me and said i i need to be done here's why and i had a chance to respond and to and to speak and to say okay i get it fine um that's closure that's different uh that's a healthy ending of a relationship the cutoff is an unhealthy ending of a relationship that doesn't really end the relationship it's a power play um that's dysfunctional and will continue to affect family systems for generations on. That's my reading of the two. Is that about where you're coming from, too? No, that angers me to no end, and I'm never talking to you again. I knew it! <laughs> Is that all it takes? <laughs> I'm sensitive these days, palsy! Uh, no, no. Uh, actually, I think that's a great read. Thanks. I think that's a great read. I think, you know, it's 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 frustrating to pastor mainline churches that are declining, mm-hmm. you know, almost because they are. They're just, you know, it's yeah. just like, you know, they're, they're at that point. And, and to have, you know, we're all excited when new members, you know, when a person visits. But I'm right. very, very aware that some people don't like our style. Right. You know, and those are personal pastoral headaches. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I mean, I've done the whole thing when I first became a pastor to try and be all things to all people. And that was a disaster. 
Right. Yeah, you can't do it. You just can't do it. You know? Um and and so uh but uh now if you are in an area like a Chicago or New York City and there's a huge population and and there's a lot of people around who share your point of view, you know, like a Riverside Church or something like that that, you know, that's one thing. But when you're in an area where and I don't know if Kenosha is like this or not, to be honest with you. I, I really don't know. Um, you know, when you're in an area where you're where you're uh, you don't necessarily have um, a population like that, it gets to be very, very personal. And, you, mm. you know, uh, it's 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 what's riling me up is how do I conduct myself? Mm-hmm. You know, it's also because of my personal issues. You know, divorce is very disorienting mm-hmm. and you almost have to reinvent yourself. Yeah. In in a sense, uh, Savage and I were talking about this. I saw him last week. Mm-hmm. He calls these threshold moments. Oh, okay. He says, you know, when when he was, uh, you know, when he was growing up in Southern California, they of course had to live with earthquakes. And he said, and we were trained that if you start feeling the ground rumble, go to a doorway and stand there and don't move mm. until it's over. That will keep you safe. He says so. We get in these threshold moments in life, and our big mistake is we always try to get out of them too quickly. Sometimes we have to linger. Ooh. I, I know. It was fantastic. Yeah, a, that's good. All really smart things Jeff has said, and he said many a smart thing. Yeah. That was the finest things I've ever heard. And, you know, that's kind of where I feel like I'm at. Yeah. Is, you know, I'm at this – I mean, it's it's a weird place – you know, to be, and I told him, I said, emotionally, I really get that. I am in a doorway. Yeah. And the temptation, the temptation. I mean, my number, some days, Jonathan, you have very simple goals for yourself. I just don't want to do something stupid out of loneliness. Right. So um, I, yeah. I want to bring that to our national challenge. Uh, the response to agree to disagree. Yeah. You know, that's a cutoff. That can be a cutoff response, right? If we're having an argument and we're getting into it, and like, well, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. If, you know, whoever says that first kind of wins, right? And it says the relationship. Yeah, because it makes you look like you're, you have this big, generous spirit. Right, right. And really, I can disagree with you. Whether or not you can live to disagree with me, that's your problem. Right, yeah. And, and, and that's. Talk to something moron. Okay. <laughs> right, yeah. That's we'll what I to... feel like people feel underneath. That's how I think that some of our conservative friends have felt all these years when we've been all liberal and right, you and, know. And and what it does is also it's saying I'm done with the conversation. I'm done with the relationship. I'm right. leaving the threshold. I'm leaving oh. the. Oh. That's that's what I mean. That's not mine. Yes. I, yes. yes. Know, instead of saying let's stay in this, let's keep working let's on this. In. Yeah. As as uncomfortable as it is. Yeah. Well, the point of Jeff saying that is when you're in the threshold and things are rumbling around you, your inclination is to get somewhere you think is safer. But you're actually, in doing so, you would harm yourself. So in the Civil War, Lincoln could have said, <laughs> we're going to have to agree to disagree and the South is going to become their own country and the North is going to become their own country. And instead, I mean, this is this is still glossing over a lot of nuance with the Civil War. Lincoln said, no. Yeah, like we yeah. Yeah. To say, no, we've got to keep working this. Right. And and if that and, you know, you've got to stay at the table. Right. Right. Exactly. And 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 and. Well, that's fascinating. Wow. So I that's why I think that a lot of the unrest and the tension in our country. Now, let's 
and we can talk about the immoral things that are happening too. But the, it sounds like you're speaking to that, you know, the immorality. The deeper issue for you is how do I, you know, why is it that immoral things are the not so fun immoral things? I mean, there are so many immoral things happening, you know. Uh, and and so I think that you would get to a point where you would say that. That I would. I know it's hard for me because I try to make space for people, but when right. you're when exactly. you're separating families, that's immoral. You know. When you're taking away um, healthcare from people, which is part of which is a part of the pro-choice, pro-life debate, although that's not really said. That if we start outlawing abortion, we're also outlawing healthcare for women who need it. Right. That's immoral. Right. You know, abortion itself as a conversation—that's a different moral quandary that we can get into and we can discuss. But so many other things are looped in with that. That's not really mentioned. Um, that becomes immoral or making women have to jump through all these hoops for health care. Right. It's immoral. Right. Anyway, so that's – but the challenge is – you know, part I'm of that challenge – you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> from from – from, I'm now going to identify myself as a contrarian. Yeah. I'm going to own my contrarianness. <laughs> <laughs> well, part of the challenge with like that that I think with the whole conversation is – we we try to take so let's take separating the families at the border, yeah, and and to say doing that is immoral, and and then what liberals do in their smarminess right. and smugness is lump all of the border actions in that immorality, right, and right. that cuts off the conversation. Therefore, everything we're doing is immoral, right. Well, I the. The idea of like trying to keep our nation safe, well, I think that's a ruse, I think that's a red herring, that narrative has some sense of like, well, that's a good thing to do. Right. Right? right. You know, that the narrative of we've got to um, really try to help, you know, when people are coming over, we have to say, you can't just all come over. There's, even again, I, I think the narratives are misplaced. Yeah. There's yeah. something in there. So it's it's hard to have the conversation when we start painting each other with such broad strokes that we're right. really cutting off and ending the relationship. Right. Right. And I think that might be part of where your own anger comes from. You know, if I could project, or at least that's where my own anger comes from. Like, why can't I just say that response is an immoral response? And yeah, we've and, got to change. I'll, I'll make this even more personal. Yeah. So when you think about going out there dating, which has crossed my mind. Yep. You know, that's well, that's moving out of the threshold. Yeah, that's scary. And to me, this political climate is a minefield. Yeah. It's like I have no idea with any person I may even just have dinner with. Right. You want you know, them to, to fill out. Where are they going to come down on these things? Is anything going to touch them off? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and... Am I going to have to concede myself to have a relationship with somebody? Which is what got me to where I am in the first place. Yeah. And all relationships require some kind of compromise, but there needs to be a place where you say, not there. I can't compromise exactly. there. Exactly. Exactly. There's, like I said, you know, you, you can't fight every battle. You yeah. can't fight every battle. But there are some times when, okay, no, I can't give on this. Right. You know, and, and I know you brought up the American Baptist Wars quite you know, a number of times. And I think um, as a denomination, we did draw a line. Uh, and I think what we did was, you know, we didn't draw the lines that people wanted us to draw. 
No, right, right, right. You know, and and for those Peter who they wanted us to draw, to be honest with you. Right, yeah, and for those who aren't up, we're talking about it was about homosexuality. And about whether or not we could allow for churches to accept homosexuality and for past for gay pastors to be ordained, right? And and some said we've got to just take a stand and say no, and others said we got to take a stand and say yes for everyone. Right. And instead, now at the time, I was not on that side. At the time, I was not on that side. I know you weren't. Yeah. Uh, neither was I, and I remain by that because I think American Baptists try to be a place of inclusion. And if we're going to be in a place of inclusion, it means we can't say yes for everyone. Right. That was, and that was the stand we took. And, and I, yeah, yeah, it was. You can say yes for you. Yep. Um, but you also have to allow for the general board and the minister's council, if that had been the majority of opinion, to say mm -hmm. no. You right. Know? That that would have been problematic for me because by saying yeah, it would have been problematic. For you know, for me, but that's when okay, you guys have made a decision. I will leave. That's what I would have said. Yeah, and it you would know? have been a, a decision away from inclusivity. Right, right. And but, that's yeah. You know, that's that's. Well, and that's the challenge that we're facing as the kind of pastors we're called to be, at least where we're serving right now. We're not serving progressive churches, primarily. Nor are we, right, I, right. I can't speak for your church, but I'm assuming it's not primarily a conservative church. No, no, no. <laughs> I know, you're there, it's, right? Exactly. But exactly. So, so somehow we have to, you know, make this space where people can be the people they're called to be, progressives right. and conservatives, but still feel like there's, there's room for them in their congregation. And that's really hard. It's it's extremely difficult. It's personally difficult. Yeah. When you're the leader. Yep. Um, and it some days it's just too doggone stressful. Some days it's just too doggone stressful. And you know, when you combine that with the institutional decline and all the other headaches, mm -hmm. um yeah, it, it can take your toll. It can yeah. it can take your toll on you. And and I think the response is well, let's just not talk about those things. Right, right. And, right. um, and I've been moving to a place where I, I've been saying we have to respond to things like gun safety or gun violence. We have to respond to things like immigration. But we need to do it in a way that each of you feels like it's it's true to who you are. Great way of putting that, Jonathan. Great yeah. way of putting that. But I, yeah, and I and part of what just infuriates me is that the. We are being forced into these narratives where the responses are prescribed. So, you know, if you're going to respond, let's talk about immigration. If you're going to respond to yes, immigration. That's what that's you put. That's what's getting me riled up. There we go. Yeah. You know, and, and, because it's like, can I pick none of the above? It's not, a, you know, but it's like, yeah, we're, we're getting forced into labeling ourselves even if we don't feel like i mean i'm comfortable with the label left of center yeah because it's kind of you know it's where you lean a loose thing yeah you know but it's almost as like you're getting forced to the point where i mean and i've heard on the news you have to pick a side it's like wait a minute how did this happen right and, and and the Baptist in us is is I think what responds yes, so because yes, yeah yes. don't tell me how to read the Bible don't tell me what God's telling me to do you you all don't you aren't my Jesus 
I... I'll say it here, folks. Baptists are people that know how to get riled up. Oh, we sure do. Yeah, we and, sure do. And, and let's look back to Roger Williams. Let's... Yes! There's someone who everyone says, this is where you got to go, Roger. And he says, hell no. I'm not going there. No, I won't go. That's that's what he's. And then he said, "Okay, I'll go." Born free. Right. And, and then they said, "You gotta go." And he said, "Okay, I'll go." And he started Rhode Island. Right. Right. You know, but even then, he's starting that, and people say you can't accept everyone, Roger. It's gonna be Watch a mess. Me. Watch yeah. me. Right. <laughs> you gotta what draw lines. Nope. What a guy. And, and you can't treat the the Native Americans like they're people. And he's like, are you kidding? I mean, so he's constantly like claiming his own narrative. Right. And, and, and that that's probably where you and I are bristling. Because I know yes. that we have, we, have, yes. we have liberal colleagues, like very progressive colleagues who are saying, if you're not at this march, or if you're not signing this petition, or if you're not preaching this way about the administration, then you aren't really being true to the gospel. And I say, who the hell are you to tell me yes, what it, it means for me it, to be true to the gospel? Oh, we're up now, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Don't I mean, you tell me. I didn't take it from the conservatives, and I sure as hell ain't taking it from you. Right. Yeah, Simon Zellert went to Jesus. Yeah. No way. <laughs> yeah, how many people went to Jesus and said, now's the time when you get the people all riled up and we overthrow Rome? And Jesus said, whoa, 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 that's not what I'm about. Hold on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's... People don't realize that we pay a price for deciding to be American Baptist in a mainline church that is dealing with the claim. We pay a price for that. And the price that, you know, it, well, it's, it's why do we pay that price? Because we're free. Yeah. Because yeah. we're free. I had a conversation many years ago with this fellow who took a church that was loosely affiliated with the ABC, telling me that his dream was to be a pastor of pastors in, in the ABC. He says, you know, for example, Phineas, I think that I should, uh, I think I should be calling you up and asking you what you're preaching on. I told him, I said, pal, I don't want you calling me up and asking me, because it's none of your business. Yeah, right. And he was in shock. <laughs> he was in shock, this idea that I did not want to function under authority. Like, why do you think I'm American Baptist? Right. Now, that's not to say that we don't have I, – I think it's fantastic that we have progressive churches in our denomination, yes. and we yes. need them. Yes. And we, we need pastors who just go completely and, – and the same with the conservative churches. We need those. Yes. Yeah. But stop forcing us to be one or the other because we also need these churches that create the space for theological and political diversity. Well, you and I have a like mind in that. And, and that we just don't want to be told what to do. We just well, don't yeah, like that's, that. That's, that's it. probably why we've been friends all these years. That's probably – no, there's got to be some other reason. So let's list some of the things, though, that we find egregious happening in the world. Well, I mean, you know, uh, it's it's uh, number one thing to me is healthcare because I could lose mine. The yeah. ABC took it away. Yep. And And that's all I have. Is, is Obamacare. So next year, I may not have health insurance. Yeah, I'm in that same place. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I've told people, you know, who voted for Trump in my church that you do realize, me, I'm a person, you do realize that I will be in danger. Yeah. Um, I, it's probably the sole reason I voted for Hillary. I'm, you know, I, it, it's, I wasn't thrilled about voting for her. I didn't, um, um, I loved Bernie Sanders. Uh, he is very socialist, but I still mm -hmm. thought 
Um, he was saying something that needed to be said, but I'm, it came right down to like, huh, I got to try and protect my health care. And I don't know that I succeeded or, you know, that any of us did. It's, it's, uh, um, yeah, luckily I live and, in this. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, my, my ex-wife had a serious illness, right. serious illness, right? People have no idea. All right. I came close to financial ruin. I had to persist with the insurance company. I, I had to get an MMBB patient advocate involved. Wow. To get them to come. And I still owed $20,000. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the bills were her. I mean, she had a major illness. Yeah. It's like, it's like, where else? And I'm not just riled up about the insurance aspect. Where else in society do you go, give yourself, say, charge me whatever you want to, and I'll deal with it? You go to get your car fixed, they'll tell you how much it's going to cost. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, healthcare. You know? Healthcare yeah. is an issue. I think I. I mean, I've already said it, but the what's going on at the border with separating families. When someone comes and says, "I need asylum," that doesn't make them illegal. <laughs> that means I they need know. to get put in a process. You don't treat them like a criminal when they're coming and saying, "I am not safe. I need protection." Right. Okay. So that's it, it, it's it, it's. Yeah. Any of us that have, you know, have have any heart for kids? Yeah, the trauma, um, the trauma yeah. that you're putting it's, kids through is is unforgivable. Yeah. Not that there's an easy fix, but the what they're doing now, even it, it still needs to be. Yeah, I, it's it's and you know I understand the whole all nations have immigration laws. I get that. Why do you have to put the kids in cages? That I don't get. Right. Why do the kids have to go and camp? Why can't they stay with their parents? I don't understand this. Yeah. So that needs, I think. It just seems to me to be cruel. Yep. I know I, that's an inflammatory word, but I'm like, you know, you don't have to do that. No, you don't. You don't have to do that. And, and, and I'm not saying that you got to take their word for it, let them in. Yes, I realize that there probably are, you know, cocaine gang members who come in saying they need us. I get all that. I'm not debating that. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, the borders need to be open, porous and whatever the heck. I right. just don't understand why you got to put the kids through that kind of stuff. They're kids. Yeah, it's not know? right. It's just not and, right. And I thought that we had some. What gets me riled up about that is I thought we had some kind of lines that we would not cross, like cruelty to children. We did. Okay. How the heck do you say? And I understand the abortion you know, debate. I'm not somebody who says. You know uh, that that uh, it, it's 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 an easy thing to debate about. But if you're going to say protect the right of the unborn, but once they're born, do that to them, that yeah. makes no sense to me. Well, because they're not Americans, so they're not real people. Now I don't know about all those issues, but the whole idea that these people are coming in and doing things that that you know taking jobs. Man, there wasn't anybody. Yeah, they're not taking jobs. Anyway. Didn't we have a work ethic? What happened to that? I don't know. Happy These birthday, people are man. working hard. <laughs> don't we respect that? See, I feel betrayed. Yeah, tell me about that. I feel betrayed because I was brought up with a certain ethic that I was told was American. Oh, yeah. Everything I'm saying right now, we don't mistreat children. We respect hard work. Yeah. I want people to understand. These were things I was told what made us Americans. That made us great. Made us 
um, a morally superior nation. Right. Okay. Is that we respect hard work. We respect individual, you know, individuality. If a person works for it, they deserve it. This was pounded into my head. Right. By my union hating father. And so then if people are willing to want to come over here and work hard, they should be treated with respect. And even, but don't hurt the kids. Yeah. I mean, I have a mother who brought me up. Any image on TV of a child suffering would bring her to tears. It's her toughest part of theodicy. Oh, was right. Was her saying, I love God, but I don't understand why he lets that happen to kids. Right. Yeah. Because they can't defend themselves. And I'm, and this is what's driving me insane. You know, like I said, Alvin Lee sits me down. I was brought up to, to when did everybody else stop playing by the rules that I was told I had to play by? When the heck did that happen? Who changed that? I didn't get a memo. Did you get a phone call? I didn't get a phone call. I did not. So, here's all what right. I, here's what all I right. think because we got to start to wrap it up. Yeah, this I interrupted is... your list. I'm no, sorry. that's all right. I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna list anymore because I think it'll just we'll be here all day. And it's the Fourth of July today. We need to be having hot dogs and hamburgers and you know making things explode. That's what we're supposed to do today. Um, oh. I, I think human um, – we should be careful to discredit the power of desire and selfishness. I mean human sin is rampant, and that constantly pushes against these ideals that we embrace of you know protecting the least, honoring hard work, all that kind of – all that good stuff, right? So – and our and, – and, the danger of today, a real danger. I'll go danger. farther than that. Okay. It not only pushes against it, it perverts it, twists it, and corrupts it. Right. And and I think one of the real dangers, yes. one of the real dangers of this day, July fourth, one of the dangers of the July fourth is that we are tempted to make an idol out of the idea of America without looking at the reality of America. There's this real temptation to say we are great, um, we are wonderful, aren't we? Is it what a blessing it is to be an American? And it really is. I, you know, I don't want to discount that at all. I'm so thankful to be living in this country for many, many reasons. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that. But then when we take a blind eye to the ways it's in which it's not the kingdom of God, it's a it nation far it from the stand, kingdom. It right. will stand under God's judgment like all nations. Yes, we are not the shining city on the hill. We, I, we, we are not the incarnation. That's right. And, but that narrative has been so sown into the, um, the idea of America, right, and especially right. on the 4th of July, especially the way some of our conservative evangelical brethren and sisters celebrate the 4th of July, that it becomes idolatrous. You know how great a guitarist Jimi Hendrix was, right? Yeah, he was fantastic. Right. Jimi Hendrix said that Terry Kath of Chicago was just as good as him. Oh, Okay. My point being, everybody, if Jimi Hendrix can be humble about his guitar playing, mm-hmm. we can be humble about being a nation. Yes. Okay. Somehow I'm going to wrap this. All right. Here's the thing. People, be true to who God is calling you to be. Don't mm-hmm. be forced into narratives. If you're far left wing, be far left wing. That's fantastic. If you're far right wing, be far right wing. But make sure you talk to each other. 
listen to each other, be engaged. That is part of what makes our country great is that we have the ability to engage in discourse. We have the freedom to engage in discourse. It's not just free speech, but free listening. Oh, that's good. I should, Jonathan, I should make a t-shirt. I got nothing to say to that, man. That was beautiful. Oh, thanks. Finn, uh, it's fantastic to have you on the Rileage. I know this one went everywhere. That's I love it. What what time <laughs> what time's your worship service? Ten fifteen. Ten fifteen. Air conditioned? Yes. Nice. <laughs> so go to the First Baptist Church of Kenosha, Wisconsin at ten fifteen cool. for a cool, peaceable, chillaxed, zen like worship service. It's none of those things. I'm a maniac. Finn does his best to put... All right. Well, I do. I, <laughs> during the summer, I pro- try to preach the most monotone and quiet sermons as possible so people can just come and take a nap. No, that's not true at all. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, Rylage, Finn. <laughs> is still the pastor of the Clackamas United Church of Christ. Just a couple weeks later, I'm still there. Just a couple weeks, he continues to be pastor Mm -hmm. of the Clackamas, Clacka, gosh. Clackalacky, yes, it's awesome. They haven't kicked me out yet, I'm still still there, yes. They (laughs) have Where is that in Oregon? It's in Milwaukee, Oregon, which is just uh, south of Portland. Do you guys like cheese? My wife works for Tillamook. I don't know what Tillamook is. Do you know Tillamook? Tillamook is the biggest uh, food producer in the Northwest. They make cheese and ice cream. And so you brought up cheese. Yes, we do love cheese. Do you think they would sponsor a podcast? Yep, absolutely. All right, well, Tillamook. Love it. Known for their cheese and other dairy products. You must have some Tillamook cheese out there. You should try it. It's the best. I will not. Okay. Okay. (laughs) That's fine. That's good. Um, how can cheese from the Northwest be better than cheese from Vermont? Oh. Sir, I, I ask you, how can it be better than Cabot cheese owned I, I, by a co-op of farmers? Tillamook is owned by a co-op of farmers. Yeah, Farmer well, owned since 1832. Well, well, Cabot has been around since <laughs> <laughs> 1813. Right. <laughs> Cabot makes excellent cheese. Uh, everybody go get some Cabot cheese. It's get, good. Get and if you've I, got Tillamook over there, just yeah. give it a try. Yeah. Tillamook, it's, it's, it'll, it'll be okay. It'll be good. Honestly, I don't care. Just eat cheese. Cheese is fine. Listen, it's fun. Jesus. Cheese is fun. It's good. I like making... Um, just do not get any of that cheese from California. No. Oh, gosh, no. That's not no. good cheese. My no. favorite is to take cheese and shape it into a cross and then hold it up and say, Jesus Christ! Okay, so we're going to be reading. <laughs> I have no idea. That's awesome. That's good. Um, okay. It's so... <laughs> just awkward silence after that one. Well, that what else awesome. can you say? Well, I what, don't know. You else? are a fantastic youth pastor. <laughs> so. They look at me oddly when I say stuff like that. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, As they you... should. Is As that they not should. blasphemy? I said, no, no. It's Unless you're lactose intolerant, then it is. We're going to look at uh, May 13th, 
for this passage. And May 13th has the distinction of being Ascension Sunday. The most underrated Christian day of the year. So underrated that it has to share that day with Mother's Day. Ouch. Yeah. We've been doing this this year. Ash Wednesday was Valentine's Day. What's going on? Easter was April Fool's Day. Nicely done there. Yeah, great sermon. Easy to preach. What is Ascension Day is on Mother's Day. Ascension Day is Mother's Day. Thank goodness Pentecost still stands on its own. That's good. I like that. Which is the following Sunday. May 20th is Pentecost. Everyone leave out your coconuts for Flamer, the Pentecost gorilla, and hopefully you'll get some good Pentecost treats. I like it. I like it. I'm going to make it a thing. (laughs) I swear I will make it a thing. Um, I'm glad you're still on this Flamer uh, thing. That's awesome. Yeah, the Pentecost gorilla. The Pentecost gorilla who leaves good little boys and girls coconuts filled with fire. Coconuts filled with fire. Brilliant idea. Brilliant idea. You know, the the Easter bunny, jelly beans and stuff. No. Peeps, even worse. I hate peeps. Oh, I love peeps. Whoever came – you do? I I freeze them. You are the only person I've ever met who likes peeps. I'm like, why do they keep making this thing just for Jonathan Malone? (laughs) You know what else I I like? I have no idea. I also like circus peanuts. As opposed to regular peanuts? Yeah. They're like orange like – Oh. (laughs) Oh, Malone. No. All right, so let's get right to Ephesians here. Uh. <laughs> Folks, here's a tr- here's a little hint for you, though. Take your peeps, put them in the no, freezer. No, don't. don't. Just don't do anything. frozen peeps. It's like stale peeps, but easier Just to get them. Awful. Awful. Don't do anything with peeps. Throw God them away loves, as soon as you can. God loves a peepful giver. <laughs> They're a <laughs> Do not eat your peeps. Let them be. Leave them alone. Leave your peeps alone. There should you should do. We should you should do something on um on uh the Eucharist on eating your peeps. Cannibalism. Yeah, yeah Eucharist and cannibalism and that historical. Yeah, just bring bring peeps. And bring Dunk. peeps. Dunk your peeps. And Don't eat your peeps. Um, good. Dunk, like Dunk pe- Yeah, you baptize your peeps and then you eat them. <laughs> okay. <we're- laughs> Hi. This is for real. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 23. I'm going to read it. I'll go ahead and just read it if that's all right with you. I was hoping to do different voices again. Oh, you want to do different voices? No. Just go for it. It doesn't work you as well it. for this. It doesn't. So. No, it's but, uh, not good. I've just... been um, all morning. I've been trying to embody the spirit and the essence of Paul. Oh, so, do you think Paul wrote this? I was going to get to that. Let's let's leave that up for grabs <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, so here it inner is. Paul. Here it is. Fifteen to twenty-three. Right. I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, and for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father, he meant Jesus Christ. I wanted, Paul was a big um, lover of cheese. Um, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you have come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, 
you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of, of his great power. That was one sentence. It's a nice one. Yeah, take that, Proust. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Come on with it, Paul. That is awesome. Yeah, that guy could write. But, I mean, maybe a couple more semicolons here and there wouldn't hurt, would yeah, it? That would be good. Yeah. So, yeah, like so it. it's up in the air whether or not Paul wrote Ephesians. But you did claim your inner Paul very nicely. Oh, I like that. You I, owned it. What I did was I repressed it. everything about myself. Oh, good. Yeah. And, and then those, ang- those feelings of resentment mm. channeled that towards reading. I like that. Yeah. That's nicely done. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. It's that good. was Stanislavski method of, of reading scripture. Okay. I like it. Nicely done. <laughs> so we don't know if Paul wrote this. No. It's a 50-50, I think. Oh, you give it 50-50. So, yeah. so this is – I have uh, – I, I looked at the HarperCollins Bible Dictionary and I looked nice. at the Oxford Dictionary of the Bible. Jonathan Malone doing some research. No, doing a little bit. Uh, and, and one – I don't remember which one says which, but one of them says Paul wrote it. The other hmm. one says, Paul did not write it. Hmm. Both excellent, excellent sources. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, I think, kind of gives you the sense of, you know, this is one of those letters that maybe if Paul wrote this, he also wrote Colossians. Mm. Do, we care, do we care about the different arguments? No, I don't. No. Okay. I'm not we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Then. Paul may have written it, might not have. Yeah. Could have been somebody, at least it was somebody from the Pauline school, like yeah. a student of Paul's, right? So. Bill. Yes. Bill wrote it. Yeah. Well, probably, and, yeah. Bill was known for just writing down things that Paul said and then putting it together into letters and sending it to churches. Yeah. It's good. Bill. Yeah. yeah. The like, Eastern Orthodox people know him as William because they're a little more. Formal. Yeah. But us yeah. Protestants. I like Bill. Bill. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Okay. Yeah, thank God for Bill. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, so this is – so the last time we chatted, we looked at Acts, and it was this wonderful narrative, the Ethiopian eunuch. This is not so much a narrative, is it? No. When I first read this, I was bored. I was like, let's go back to Acts because <laughs> Acts is exciting. You've got a eunuch. You've got some sexual stuff going on there that's just interesting to talk about. Yeah, Philip and appearing this is, and disappearing, fight scene in the middle oh, of it. it was man, great. chariots and yeah. chariots and all that stuff. And this one is just like Paul saying, hey, thanks, guys. There's a little yeah. more to it than that. Right. But but yeah, at first I was like, oh, man, this is kind of a letdown after that great Acts passage. But then I read the commentary by Femi Perkins. Oh, yeah. She's good. Oh, man, she is amazing. You think she would sponsor the show? I think so. Okay. You yeah, think she I loves think, dairy? Uh, I think she likes Tillamook cheese. Much as, more than that other cheese. More than Cabot? Yes, more how, than Cabot. How dare you, sir? <laughs> the other cheese, yes. <laughs> Yes, but Phoebe Perkins is just fantastic in her commentary. It's just awesome. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. 
So what was one of the big things that you pulled out of that? Um, there was so much. One of the things she's big into um, studying Gnost the Gnostic traditions. Oh, right. Did okay. you catch that part no, in I did there? Not. And this was uh, so um, when Jesus talks about the fullness. Uh, when this passage talks about the God being the fullness of all things and God being all in all, right. she compares it with uh, the Gnostic tradition, which said that um, the light or the fullness of God was somewhere kind of way out there and oh. we were living in darkness and right. the world is bad and evil and there's no way that God could be all in all within creation because creation is a bad thing. Right. And every once in a while in Gnosticism, uh, the light of God will come in. So you get Jesus as this, you know, fully spiritual being uh, coming in and giving us some light and then going away and stuff. But what Paul or whoever it is that's writing this is saying, no, God is here present now in the goodness of creation. The fullness of God mm. fills all of creation. And that's getting to this um, idea that creation and God are not in rivalry. God is not in rivalry. God is mm. not in competition with creation. Uh, God right. is fully within incarnational is is all in all. That's beautiful. I dig it. I and, dig that stuff. So there's a real accessibility to this fullness, to this light through Christ. There is, there is an accessibility to this. And we talk about – I don't know. I'm not a Gnostic scholar. Uh, I know that there are a lot of people who like dig Gnostic stuff. So but you're a Gnostic practitioner. I'm a Gnostic pra practitioner. I think that <laughs> – being an American Christian, mm -hmm. you are Gnostic. Wow. I think that I think we cannot get away from some forms of Gnosticism within it. And what I mean by that is kind of a dualism. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think that it's okay. just inherent within American Christianity and it's something that I think we would do well to notice so right. that we can fight against it. Mm. Uh I don't know if that's the right term to use, but I see Gnostic Gnosticism within mm -hmm. A form of American Christianity that says uh, basically the world is a bad place and we need to escape it in order to get to heaven somewhere way up out there. And that has an impact on what we do with creation. Right. Uh, ultimately, ultimately, this form of Christianity views creation as something that is uh, not that is bad. Mm. They may not phrase it that way, but ultimately creation is something that we have to escape and that to hell with it. Now there is, there are even, you know, Zionist Christians mm -hmm. who think that we need to have this great battle, uh, to start this great battle and right. destroy the earth so that the, maybe the new heaven and the new earth can come. That's Gnostic. That's not Christian. Right. How you do know, you square so that? So how do you square that with the, that, that, this passage is being read on Ascension Sunday. And and some people could take that idea of like, Jesus didn't die, but ascended into heaven. Just as the name of that book said, he ascended into heaven. And so showing us that there's another place we're going to go to, that, that the Ascension could be misconstrued to enforce this Gnostic Christianity that you're talking about. Uh, that interpretation i uh i'll go to a different scholar nt wright um i heard says, him he's up yeah, and coming he's okay he's all right you might want to read a couple he's got to get his it's place. okay 
read Femi Perkins first. Yeah. Because she is fantastic. She is really good. Good scholar. Really good scholar. Uh, N.T. Wright says that we get in trouble when we think of heaven as a um, as a geography. Oh, is a okay. geographical place that's, that's somewhere out there that we need to escape. It's right here. It's present. It's now. In your so office. when Jesus, so when Luke, yes, in my office, when Luke talks about the ascension of, oh, they looked up and Jesus was going. Mm-hmm. The best way that I know how to interpret this is not that Jesus was going up someplace to a ge- geographical heaven somewhere up in outer space. That's ridiculous. Right. What Luke wow. is talking about is much more metaphorical. Mm. Like, like this is just human language that's talking that that we can understand. It's talking about something that's beyond that transcends the ability of humans to describe. That's what the ascension is all about. It's not like Jesus in, mm. is in physical form somewhere up in heaven, and his feet are dangling down somewhere. And we, if we just had a telescope that was strong enough, we would be able to see Jesus' feet. Right. Heaven is here. It's present. It's I I have no idea how to explain the physical resurrection and the physical ascension, but God is all in all. Mm. Jesus ascends in Ephesians to the all in all. The the spirit of Jesus is all in all. So the the church is the body of Christ. Uh, It's the best way that I know how to describe the physical reality of Jesus. Here, he's present. Jesus is uh, Matthew 25. Jesus is it shows up in those who are on the outcast. What do you do? You go to the outcast and you and you care for them. One of the things I really like about that is I, I think this passage really does fold into the idea of what you're talking about with the ascension, the metaphor, the body of Christ being the church, really nicely with the ideas of your eyes of your heart are enlightened, um, which I love that. I, mm-hmm. I love that just that that phrase that the eyes of your heart are enlightened and it really is talking about this um awakening that we that we have through Christ this awareness of who Christ is and the 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 broader sense of of who Christ is and what Christ is about um probably I was also from from Dr. Perkins that I read that uh the idea that the heart is the seat of human understanding yes it's the heart where we're moved to know and so if the eyes of our heart are opened, then we're moved to know in our sight where Christ really is. Mm. Uh, and so it does. there is this real appropriateness to reading this passage on ascension um, as almost a, a really in-your-face response to Gnosticism. Yeah. Um, to say that it's not about a good and an evil, and it's not about the spiritual and the material. It's more how we can see the ways in which the material and the spiritual, the physical and the spiritual overlap and, and um, feed. Or, yeah, I was weave into each other. I was thinking of like a cake batter where you have to fold the cake. Some cakes you have to fold. I don't know any more than that, but some, you, when you stir it, you fold it. But it's kind of like that, that you're folding one over the over and over the other. And, and they still hold on to their particulars, but are also just layered over each other. And yeah, and the reason that this matters to me is because I think that Christianity, especially in the United States, has gone off the rails and is much more Gnostic than we think. We need to eat more cake. We need to eat more cake. That's and just make bake more cakes and see how they overlap. And there you go. We would take much better. Earth Day is coming up. Uh, That's well, right. It's, it's, well, it's, we would have we would have done Earth Day by now. Yes. I yes. hope so, all of you did something meaningful for Earth Day. Yes. So uh, this. True, what Ephesians is getting at here would do so much for 
our the way that we treat the earth if we really thought that god right. that jesus was all in all it would i think it would change transform the way that we do things mm. treat the earth care for things yeah 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 no i like that that yeah. um, it, it, it is a much more holistic way of of looking at at creation in general i did not think we'd be turning towards that sense and maybe and we should move earth day to ascension sunday i think that would be a good idea yeah. but poor ascension sunday has to share with mother's day that's uh, too bad yeah. and and you know i am not going to i don't know how you do on mother's day but i'm not going to try to bring mother's day into this message when I preach, I'm going to keep Ascension Day for the sermon itself on its own. I'll offer a prayer for Mother's Day or something like that. But I the don't... only way that I would preach something about Mother's Day on Mother's Day is the go to the history of Mother's Day. Uh huh. The Mother's Day historically was created as an uh, anti-war, uh, anti-violent movement. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's it good. was mothers who were that. like, I don't want my children going to war anymore. <laughs> so stop sending them. That was Mother's Day was all about. And then Hallmark hijacked it into cards. Yes. And yet they the won't how, they won't hijack my idea about the Pentecost gorilla. I don't know why they don't do that. I mean, there's some great merchandising. To so much more money on that. And all I um, ask is just for royalties. Uh, yeah. Maybe you should have Hallmark be a sponsor of the show and you get their attention. I'll send them a note. I like that. A card, maybe. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Dear Hallmark. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, can I uh, – something else about yeah. this passage that I like a lot. In um, I don't know about um, the, your denomination, uh, but – in the UCC, I'm noticing a tendency to talk about Jesus as my brother mm. or my sibling, which is good. Like, I think there's a place for that. It brings Jesus at this kind of human level and stuff. Mm -hmm. But there's something about me that also bristles mm. because I already have two brothers. Uh, I have and that's a sister. Enough. That's enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's enough. And it's also I don't need another brother. Right, because that's another need, birthday card you got to send. I, I don't want that. <laughs> I, I don't want that responsibility. It's hard enough for me to stay in communication with my brother and, and my sister. Right. As it is, I don't need another one. I need a Lord and Savior. I need mm. somebody who uh, is more than a brother. So I like that. Yeah, we have. I think in American Baptist, we tend to have more. Uh, Jesus is our our girlfriend. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's nice. At least okay. with some of our songs that we sing. Yeah, girlfriend Jesus. Yeah. Um, okay, but but yeah, I think to put to really be aware of yeah the divinity of Christ is important, and there should be this sense of if we're good Trinitarians, mm -hmm. that when we are in the presence of Christ, we are in the presence of God, and there should, gosh darn it, be some awe and trembling. Yes, and uh, there's. Uh, Dr. Perkins brings up the political aspect within this too. So to call Jesus your Lord and Savior is politically loaded language within yeah. the first century. Like, because Caesar, he's your Lord and Savior of the world. Right. And so when these early Christians are sending letters around saying that Jesus uh, has is far above the rule of authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. This is a political throwdown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this it, is, it is Caesar is not your Lord and savior. Jesus 
is your Lord and Savior. I need someone who's more than a brother because that just, just... – and Yeah, and so that empire language I think is really important, um, especially on Ascension Sunday. I, mm-hmm. I think there does need to be, without becoming dualistic, a sense in which we are a part of something else. That you know, while I'm an American and I vote and I pay taxes and all that stuff, um, my allegiance is first to the kingdom of God. You know, and um, you know, first, and and Ascension Sunday seems like a good day to remind ourselves of that. That mm-hmm. our Lord continues to live, and here, but also beyond what we see, in in the eternal. Yep, yep. There's and the thing that excites me about this uh, these days is there's this there's a subversive element to all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, to call Jesus your Lord, that's subversive. Should be, yeah. Uh, there's, something, there's something exciting about the Christian journey. Uh, there's something subversive. And, you know, I mean, obviously you can bring up current American politics and Donald Trump and things. But, right. you know, there's it's it doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter who the political leader is at the moment. It's always it's always subversive. It's always pointing yeah. beyond which is, whoever which is, is in charge. Yeah. All right, so what are you going to eat for Ascension Day? What am I going to eat? Yeah, what's going to be your Ascension food? Not peeps. I'm just really glad they don't have peeps for Ascension Day. <laughs> Something gorilla, light and airy. Our gorilla, we should have bananas, right? Well, no, that's Pentecost. Oh, Pentecost. Pentecost. Flamer the gorilla is on Pentecost. So what is our mascot for I don't Ascension? Have one. I don't have an Ascension mascot. I think it should be maybe a hot air balloon. Ooh, that's good. I was thinking like some kind of a bird, but I like hot air balloons. What were the three animals that were in the first hot air balloon? A chicken, a duck, and something else, right? Yeah, a no sheep. Idea. A sheep. When those French brothers put that hot air balloon in the sky for the first time, they sent three animals up because they didn't know if they would survive in the atmosphere. <laughs> Brilliant move. So, Nicely done. Yeah, Louis the Sixteenth, I think, was there. He saw it. He watched it. Oh, that's awesome. And that wow. was a direct result, and that led directly to the French Revolution. Well, let's do – let's do uh, – let's have it be the sheep. This Sunday is Good Shepherd Sunday, so it's, the sheep is an underappreciated animal, yeah. I think. You know? So everyone so, have some uh, lamb on Ascension Sunday. There you go. We just had Easter. We just had lamb on Easter. Yeah, we'll have to – all right, so th- uh, folks, write in and tell us what food you think. I want to say like angel food cake that's light and airy. Oh, that's good. That might be good. What what food do you think would be appropriate for Ascension Sunday? What kind of customs and traditions can we start? Uh, But read Ephesians, you know, take a look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Think about the idea of wisdom, about who Christ is, about breaking out of the Gnosticism, the dualism. And what does it mean on this Sunday to proclaim Christ your Lord and Savior? Adam? Awesome to have you on the show. Thanks for, uh, for enlightening always us. Always fun. Always a pleasure. I never know what we're going to talk about. Isn't that great? You know, cheese, Jesus Christ. It's just Jesus, fantastic. You Jesus just Christ. always bring the brilliance on the show, and that's why I love it. And that's why people should go over and rate your yes. show on iTunes. Are you on any other podcasting things? No, uh, but, I mean, you can go to the website itself. 12enough.com and download the show right there. If you download the show on 12enough.com, leave a comment. Yeah. Over on iTunes. Yeah. All that fun stuff. Yeah. 
All right. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> and go get some Tillamook cheese, everyone. And awesome. Cabot. And Cabot. And, and Cabot. Yes, if you have to. <laughs> Well, there it is. There's your episode. Uh, two different guests, two different things to talk about. One a little more timely than the other. But maybe you're listening to this a year after I posted it. And then timeliness doesn't really matter at all. Uh, maybe by now, um, there's been an uprising in the state of Jefferson. And we now have 58 states. It could happen. It could happen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversations I had with both Phineas and Adam. I enjoyed talking to them. Uh, if you have any suggestions or comments about the conversations that I had, you can send those to 12enough at gmail.com. 12enough at gmail.com. You can always follow the show on Facebook, at Facebook slash 12enough. And in both cases, 12enough is written out. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I uh, can be found at Pastor Malone. Pastor Malone. And, and I want to thank Andrew Malone for the music. Uh, Charlie Eastman did the bump music. Andrew did the ingoing and outgoing music. And as always, I want to thank you most of all for listening. You make this podcast happen. And you don't even support it. No money, no merch, nothing. But you're listening. That makes all the difference in the world. Thanks for listening. Twelve Enough is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your host for Jonathan Malone, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island, Phineas Marr, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Kenosha, Wisconsin, Adam Erickson, the pastor of the Faith United Church of Christ of Clackamas, Oregon, the thoughts, ideas, opinions, ruminations, moments of brilliance, moments otherwise, and other things that have been said here on this podcast do not reflect their churches, their denominations, their places of work, their families, their friends, probably not even themselves, to be honest. It's just... Who knows what's going on in their minds when they speak, but they just say whatever comes to their minds. They need some help. They need some therapy. They need some kind of blockers of some sort just to keep them safe. But regardless, these were their ideas. This was their podcast.